foot enthusiasts, minimal footwear lovers, or anyone trying to fix your own feet, I'm heading to North Carolina this May to lead a live, in-person, three-day retreat all about feet. I'm going to be at the Art of Living Retreat Center, which is up in the mountains of North Carolina. It's so beautiful there. And are you ready to hear what I'm calling it? The retreat is called Healing Your Soul, a stepwise approach to building forever functional feet. That's so good, right? If you want to learn all about how to take care of the muscles, bones, joints, fascia, and nerves of the feet, and learn how strong feet and ankles relate to sustainable hips and knees, this event is for you. In addition to the classroom and movement time with me, you're on retreat. So there's delicious meals, a nature-rich campus that you can explore on foot, and plenty of time for rest and relaxation, all included. A retreat is a perfect way to care for yourself in the moment, but also in the future. You are coming to learn a massive toolkit of information. So whether you're a competitive runner, a dynamic ager, or a healthcare practitioner, this is a weekend full of movement for you and your feet. And like I said, you're gonna leave with a toolkit and a big swag bag that you can use to train your feet for life. For more information about the movement sessions, the food, the center, head to my website, nutritiousmovement.com slash retreat. That's nutritiousmovement.com slash retreat. This is Katie B, and you are about to listen to an early episode of my podcast. Now the show is called The Move Your DNA Podcast, and you can find all episode transcripts and the show notes to this episode at nutritiousmovement.com slash podcast. Enjoy. Katie Says Podcast, where Danny Hemmett and Katie Bowman, that's me, talk about movement, the tiny details, the larger issues, and why movement matters. I'm Katie Bowman, biomechanist and author of Move Your DNA. And I'm Danny Hemmett, a chronically curious movement teacher. And today's podcast is a little different. It's a little longer. <laughs> we, we recorded it in March of 2016 at the Nutritious Movement Center in Washington State. And we stayed on topic, but it got a little heavy. We decided to save it for later, which is now. We are in the same room in this podcast recording, similar to the Boulder Bookstore Q&A. So that was the second time that we recorded together, but we we hung on to this podcast. This podcast is about Movement Matters, but it was before Movement Matters was done. It was before Danny had read Movement Matters. We recorded it in front of a large group of people who are people who were training with me at the center. So they had quite a big background in all of my other materials, you know, 10 years worth of materials. They weren't strangers to alignment. They weren't strangers to natural movement. They had all read all of my other books. However, movement matters, as we said in the last episode, is different. Yes? Very, very different. Awesome and different. Well, so everyone was stunned. Like, you know, we keep saying, I feel like we're really like, people are going to read this book and they're going to be like, I wasn't that stunned. But no, it's, it can, it's just, it's just different. I just got off the phone call with another kind of heavy person, you know, well-known person, and he's reading it right now, and he was like, holy cow. So 
it's it's just it's a he's like the perspective on this book is so big. He's like I've never thought this big before about something so small like movement. And so we we understand that people I, I wanted to help have a lot of pieces to help introduce a lot of different podcasts and maybe even blog posts to to help people work through this book. So this podcast is about movement ecology. So the book Movement Matters, the subtitle, I'm bending down to get a copy of the book because I can't remember the subtitle, Essays on Movement Science, Movement Ecology, and the Nature of Movement. So this podcast was on on the movement ecology part. Mm-hmm. And after totally we- not what I thought we were going to talk about. What did we, you think? When we did, when you- I have no idea. I mean, it was kind of a new term. And I had like sent you this thing, which is referred to in the podcast, this, this mm. little article on wolves in Yellowstone. So I totally thought... I don't know that it was it's going to be a I, cute children's I wasn't, podcast. I wasn't thinking big about something so small, no. right? I was just thinking yeah. like, oh, we're just going to kind of deal with this. It was, I think, got bigger than I thought during the podcast, but we didn't want to get rid of it because it was important. It was just too, too far ahead of its the, time. It like, was too far out of the book coming out, right? Because yeah. I think what's going to happen is when you're done listening to this, you're like, oh my goodness, I I want more of this. And so we didn't mm-hmm. want to release it four months before Movement Matters came out. So Movement Matters is almost out. This podcast comes out when? Mid-October? This will be, yes, October 18th for its... Okay, so mid-October. Mm-hmm. The pub date for Movement Matters is November 30th. Okay. It comes hot off the presses. So we have a big launch party, which you haven't been invited, which you have been invited to, but you are not coming to. And you're going to be so sad when you realize who's coming. Oh my God. Don't even tell even, me. I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you. And you're just going to have hey, to just pretend. If, I, if I could fly out of hoobity doobity to come to it, you know, I, I know. would. I know. I know. So we have to have the book ready for November 4th pre-launch party in the Bay Area of California. Hello, California. So we will be shipping our pre-orders. The publisher will be shipping the pre-orders mid-November. Okay. So that's the earliest, you know, it'll start hitting the market. And then Amazon gets it a little bit later because it has to go, you know, from, as we've talked before, there's more steps. So you can expect to get it more cl- like closer to December from Amazon. But so it'll be out, you know, much more closely now that we've hold on to this podcast. So We're going to play the podcast for you, but in a couple areas where it gets heavy and we're introducing brand new ideas, we're going to stop and then Danny and I will come back in and either clarify something that we didn't or soften, soften it a little bit, maybe put in a pun or two, you know, just to help you get through it. Yeah, it's important to remember that our podcasts aren't scripted. And so... (laughs) That's why or stuff polished. Need, yeah, <laughs> that's as polished as it's going to get. But that's why some things need to be softened because, you know, the thought is there. It's just we we're not scripted. We're authentic. Totally it's authentic. A, it's man. the authentic totally reaction. Authentic. Like when someone when when you have 40 people across from you sitting there with their mouth open, you have to go, mm-hmm. whoa, I, I feel like I should have said that a different way. So mm-hmm. and thanks also, for bearing with me. Just to interrupt, there is some sensitive subject matter. Just, you know, use your own judgment if you're listening to this around the wee, wee ones, the wee children. Mm-hmm. Totally up to you on that one. Okay. We're going to start. Ready? And roll it. Roll it. Okay. Hey there. I got a trigger warning. 
We have a short discussion about sexual assault from 4130 to 4155. Katie Says Podcast, where right now, movement geek Danny Hemmett and I, biomechanist Katie Bowman, author of Move Your DNA, are in the very same room. The very same room. To discuss body mechanics, movement nutrition, natural movement, and how movement can be the solution to modern ailments we all experience. How is that for mixing it up? You mixed it up finally. That's good. I was getting a little rote. We are here at the Nutritious Movement Center. And there are probably maybe 30 practitioners here and people that are certifying to be practitioners. And so they're in the room with us. And and we just told everyone, you're allowed to make noise. You're allowed to ask questions. This is our second live. This is our second, second live, live podcast. Yep. Our third live podcast will be where? In Boulder, in Boulder Colorado in May. on May 21st. Get your tickets. Get your tickets. You and you and yep. you and Question and answer. Yeah, it's you know, gonna be fun. Book selfies, signing. stuff like that. Yeah, we're just gonna take pictures of ourselves the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> and here I am talking to a group. <laughs> I wrote a book. All right, so I think this is <laughs> this is also a special episode, not just because we have everybody here and we're here in this amazing center that just in Washington. In Washington that has all these movement possibilities in so many different ways. I've never walked on floating stairs before. If you want to walk on floating stairs, then look up nutritiousmovement.com and look up the center. They're connected to something. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. They're just not overly connected. They're not overly. they, They feel, they don't feel like they're connected to anything, but look it up because you can come here for retreats and classes. And it's just, it's so fun to finally be here. Podcasts that are live. Yes. I think this is also going to be a special episode because although we talk about paradigm kind of shifts in in the show or on the show a lot and Katie brings a lot to our attention, we're going to talk about something that I'm guessing is going to represent another paradigm shift. Refinement. Yes. It's refinement. An idea. That's, refinement. I like it's that. It's a tangle. It's another layer. Detangle. Untangling. It's another right? tangle untangled. Yes. So about a month ago, I sent you this cool video about wolves and Yellowstone and how they took the wolves out of Yellowstone Park because they were afraid that they were killing too many elk, right? Mm -hmm. And so they took them out, but then pretty soon there got to be too many elk eating all the grass and then nobody was killing the rabbits because the wolves were gone and everything fell out of balance. And I kind of, and then when they reintroduced the wolves back, everything just came back into balance. And so I sent this to you and told you, hey, I feel like this is what nutritious movement does to our bodies when we reintroduce it into our own body system. And you're like, well, that's funny coincidence because I'm writing a book. I don't know if you made that face. I don't know if she did. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I heard it. I was from Georgia. (laughs) Yeah. My, my. No, she said it was a funny coincidence because you were writing a book about movement ecology like essays or something and first of all i'm like you told me you weren't gonna write any more books Every time I'm like, I and can't you haven't tell. answered me I yet. know. okay I know. anyway whatever we'll get to that I later I'll talk about that in a second. but <laughs> the next day i noticed that your instagram description about your account profile listed you as a movement ecologist and you had also posted something which i'm going to read for everybody because it might sum up nicely i think what we're going to talk about in this podcast episode which you hope we're going to talk about in this podcast. i hope so I'm winging it big time. Okay, so here's a pun 
and you don't even know it yet. <laughs> That's what's so good about you is you have made you've made a pun from the future. I might have brain. I might have that weird brain. This will all tie in later, but you have in fact pun from the future because your skill set transcends time. And we had witnesses. It's, it's, it's not just you that appreciates yes, yes. my weird because I talent. I actually don't even have this example fleshed out here. And wow! Oh my god! Oh my gosh! That's a gift. All right. Here is what you wrote in that Instagram post. And you had pictures of electronic car keys and a tea bag, I believe, right? Said these items, an electronic car unlocker and a tea bag are convenient. Realize that when you say or think convenience, it's another way of saying reduces movement. It is easy to see the movement imbalance of one hour exercising versus 23 hours of not exercising. More subtle is seeing how your daily life is comprised of a lot of seemingly innocuous ways you've outsourced your body's work. One of the reasons I focus just as much on non-exercising movements as I do on exercise type movements is that I feel that the 10,000 outsourcings a day during the 23 or 24 of your time hold the most potential for radical change. Be on the lookout for these things to avoid the movements necessary to walk around to all the car doors or just to avoid turning your wrist or to avoid gathering your tea strainer and dump and clean the leaves in your dishwasher even, you have accepted a handful of garbage, plastic, future landfill, and a battery. I believe that natural movement discussions belong in ecological conferences and not only in fitness magazines, although there was the little good housekeeping thing that had you swinging like monkeys from your house. So good for them for taking the leap and bringing it out into the open. Sedentarism is very much linked to consumerism, materialism, and the destruction of the planet. If you're not moving, someone is moving for you, either directly or indirectly by making stuff to make not moving easier on you. You were born into a sedentary culture, so 99.9% of your sedentary behaviors are flying under your radar. <gasps> the lights just went I wish out. We, I wish we had a device I could clap and they'd come oh. on so I didn't have to move, man. That is crazy. Oh, she my finished, gosh. They just popped off as soon as she was Dramatic. done. Dramatic. But now they're on a timer, but that timer was set eight hours ago. Thank you. Um, wow, okay. Well, that was like my drop. That was awesome. Yeah. Okay. So there's so much to this, but maybe let's just start kind of at the beginning. Could you define? Let's start in the middle. (laughs) Okay. That's really great. Okay. Define ecology for us, if you would. Well, the I guess the the written definition what I have written written here is it's a it is the branch of biology. So biology would be the umbrella science to ecology it is a branch of biology that deals with the relationship of animals or organisms i guess to one another as well as to their physical surroundings okay so it's more than just considering what is movement ecology is that something that you've come up with or that's a thing right for for any animal like well so let's say move, so movement ecology is how an animal in this case i am talking about humans human movement ecology okay as it relates to other people as well as other organisms and also the environment in which you're doing the movement 
it is not a term that I have coined. There is a journal of movement ecology. Okay. So, for example, what you might see in movement ecology would be movement ecology. That perspective was used like we're in the Pacific West, Pacific Northwest right now. When they were taking down old growth forests, they were like, hey, you can't take all the old growth forests because that's where this particular owl lives. And they're like, well, we're going to leave a certain amount of trees in for the owls. It's like, well, it turns out that an owl's necessary movement is not just, you know, if you look at it one particular way, you could count the number of trees needed for like, we'll just put one wild owl in every tree. So if we leave, you know, 200 they, trees, they that's 200 <laughs> owls. And that, but, it's like, but it turns out the spacing in between them is important. Okay. Because that's the distance that they have to fly over which to, to find food. And then therefore all the other trees are providing shelter and a habitat that brings food there for them to be able to eat, right? If you eat mice and there's no other trees that holds the soil, which reaps the grass, which has the bugs, which other animals can eat, you, you begin to play with one particular animal when you change the environment. Like everything is so interrelated. So mm-hmm. a movement ecologist would say it's not only that they need X amount of trees. These trees need to be distanced at a certain amount from mm-hmm. each other. You know, like that would be a movement ecologist would be looking at how does it fly? It doesn't just, you know, walk out and go, okay, well, I'm going to go drop down here and get the thing that it needs to soar and needs to have something else to land on at a certain fixed distance. It's not flying, you know, one foot to all the trees around it. So it's, it's about a frequency and distribution of movement, which is kind of from move your DNA. And so is that what shifted your thinking over to like, what brought you here to this point? How are you all of a sudden have movement ecologist in your tag. What brought you there? Well, I don't think that it's all of a sudden. It it has become increasingly difficult to answer questions about movement, right? So it's all about movement as far as what I have to offer. So an example of movement ecology that is recent for me would be you know, we'll talk about, like, we started with, like, a basic alignment of, like, what's the best way to carry your baby mm-hmm. so it doesn't hurt your back? It's like, okay, we'll line up these points or whatever. Boom, that's easier. And then now there's this other thing, though, of going, well, but it's not only the position that you're in, it's the position that they're in and that that should be varied, that they should actually, how, how does being in a carrier differ than being in arms, right? So you're mm-hmm. expanding your understanding of movement as it's distributed throughout the day. So then... It came to the people I think understood like, okay, I get it. Like I could not, I could, I could stand better, be stronger myself, carry my own, my baby in a particular way for better movement for myself and my child to develop a more robust structure. But then the next question was, but how do I do, how do I accomplish anything? Like I'm supposed to stand here and hold my baby all day long. It's like, well, you are not supposed to be alone all day with your baby. That's right. So that way of living, this, like this, the way that we are, the distance that we our are trees. from other people, yeah, our trees whatever, are, we've got so right much distance, distance yeah. that, it, that it keeps natural movement mm. from being able to occur. How does our social structure, which is a particular environment, how does that influence our natural movement? So a lot of answers to questions are like that, which is the, well, the answer is because it's hard to drop natural movement into your urban setting. It's hard to drop natural movement into a rural setting where everyone's in their own home, 
where your food is still getting come from the grocery store. So I think that I've been using ecology. I mean, there's Facebook posts on it where I have written going back, you know, seven or eight years. It's just biomechanics is one particular way of reducing problems to explain, you know, things like alignment and what's happening to muscle tissues or whatnot. But if you're then trying to understand, well, why do I need this corrective exercise? And what would the natural like discussions about natural movement, they need that context of how humans move as a species, not now, but as an, as an animal, like what is their actual natural movement? How is it distributed? How does it relate to their environment? Text, vitamin texture, like I've been bringing in aspects right. of the environment, but this other piece is really how you're supposed to be moving with other people or how you have been moving, how moving with other types of people, different ages, different speeds, different skill sets, how that is just, it's influencing your physical outcome, your shape, if you will, just as much as vibrance. And then this other part was stuff. Well, okay. So that's not just people. Well, that is people. So that's, so I would say that, that, that was how I came to really to say, at this point, the discussion at this level warrants an ecological approach. Okay. Because that is, you know, if you're talking about like a biologist, be like, I'm going to study bears. And like you go to a zoo and study a bear. That is one way of studying a bear. That's one type of bear behavior. But when you extrapolate, make conclusions from what you see a bear doing in a zoo and don't acknowledge that it's in a zoo, that it has a particular, like if you're not considering all these other pieces of it, then the data that you are collecting from that becomes less and less valid in a grander context, or it's only applicable when you're talking about other animals in a zoo. It's not really a good way of discerning biological processes. Okay. So let me go back to that second question, though, where you're, okay, so now we talk about, so like one of my motivations was, we can't actually be very clear about what natural movement is and what human movement is if we're not talking about humans not through the filter of Western European treadmills shod. Like that's that is the one that's a biomechanic. That's the way biomechanics is done right now. So if you're a biologist for a long time, or if you're looking at a problem in Yellowstone, you're like, well, man, there are so many wolves. Like the hunters are upset. There's not enough game. Right. That's that's one. That was a consideration of we need to figure out a way to have more game, more huntable game. You know, people need to eat or they need to whatever, you know. So then they killed all the wolves. That was the decision at the time. It's like problem solved. Let's get rid of this species. But then, of course, if you when you don't realize when something leaves, you don't really when something is there, you don't necessarily know what function it has until right. it goes away. And then the wolves went away, and then this animal flourished, and then the grasses were all eaten down, and then soil washed Eroded. away, and then got in the rivers, and now the salmon has got too much silt, you know, whatever. Right. I'm just I don't know anything about any of those things that I just talked about, but it sounded it's really kind good. of like yeah. <laughs> I got a kids book called The Wolves Back at Yellowstone. Like oh, what cool. I was to my kids, so that is the height of my Yellowstone okay. understanding. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and now here's we just came back from Yellowstone, right? And I was with a small group, and you know the wolves are highly political, so the hunters are just like the wolves are ruining this and that, and it's like. Someone was like, well, there's just no more hunting available because they're killing all the deer and the moose and there's nothing for us to get anymore. And I had asked, I'm like, well, 
how much game was there before when the wolves were here? And she was like, well, I don't know, that was before my time. So I was just trying to refer back to like, is this a new problem, old problem? But then someone else said the wolves that they reintroduced were not the native wolves. Right. They reintroduced the Canadian wolves, which were 20% larger and eat more game. And they were more aggressive and they, so then they multiplied. So it's, you know, it's kind of like, you know, managing nature is like trying to rope the tide. Right. Nature right? my way. It would have been, would have been well, nice if they just left the right wolves yeah. there. But. Well, but I mean, like, yeah, we all make decisions and, <laughs> and that's yeah. a, yeah, but it was, it was just kind of interesting. So that's one perspective of movement ecology is that. If you're trying to collect data, just to say, like basic, if you're trying to understand basic mechanisms of humans, the ecological and movement of human movement specifically, ecology matters because nothing is just operating in a vacuum beneath your skin. Like your body is just not Mm -hmm. working beneath its skin. Um, The other part, though, that Instagram post is talking about is the more like sustainability this idea that the way that you are moving, so there's two levels to it. Okay. In one way, the way that you are moving isn't really very sustainable. Like that's, I think, a general theme in corrective exercise. You're not moving this enough over here. You're moving this too much over here. So you're going to have an overuse injury over here and an underuse injury. And that this idea of sustainable movement is still considering it from the skin deep mm-hmm. that you yourself are able to accomplish all the things that you want to do by having a body that kind of all wears out at the same time, right? That you're not sac- sacrificing tomorrow's movement for today. So that's right. one level of sustainability. And that's what I thought you were talking about. When you first mentioned yeah. this to me, I just thought it was all in this system. And that's what you mentioned. That's what I think you meant when you sent me the Yellowstone thing. Like nutritious movement is yeah. a way of like getting a more sustainable body. That's one level. However, what you want to do is also part of the problem. What you want to do is just maybe not everyone gets to do what they want to do. That maybe what you want to do is encroaching on other people getting to do what they want to do. So it's this broader idea of I want to be able to go to the grocery store so I don't have to grow my food, so I don't have to mill this or whatever so that I can do what I want to do. But that all took someone else maybe in a less fortunate place than you are having to do what they didn't want to do in order to not die. Right. And it's really, at the, wow. like, it's, it's like, it's not something that's that fun to talk about. How are you guys <laughs> feeling right now? Yeah. <laughs> it's not, everybody feel free to laugh. It's not, it's not, it's not really a pretty picture. No. And so it's like, this is how I feel. But it's, I'm glad, I'm glad you're talking about it. It's, it's like a comedian. Have you seen like, it's like, a, I went to go see Eddie Izzard who I love. Not funny anymore. Really, really, just like, just basically got on stage. It was like heavy stuff is going down, and I'm going to use my platform to talk about it. So I feel like I might have uh, jumped the funny, like an easy shark on this movement. It's like, oh, moving is so fun and, and climbing, and it's a great workout. It's like I'm past that now. I, I think I'm looking at more like your be <laughs> your choice to be sedentary is really on the back of someone else or something else. Everything that makes sedentarism possible is coming at the tax of someone or something else, some other living structure, and many times another human being. 
not that fun. No. So that's what that's really what I mean by movement ecology and sustainability. Meaning as a as a as a species of all the humans that are on the planet right now. And what's interesting, I think, is our movement habits might movement habits. So now I'm going to put how often you drive as a movement habit. Okay. How often you shop at the grocery store as a movement habit. How many t- like buying a backpack. So like movement ecology would be the fact that you're going to have a backpack because it's easier to carry your stuff on your midline. So you think. So to me, a backpack is not an ecologically great decision because one, it's not really great for your body in the long term okay. because you're going to adapt with a very narrow range of strength. Two, where did that backpack come from? Who is working and what was knocked down or cut to be able to get the plastic, all like the best gear that you have? Uh-huh. Who, who moved or destroyed what so that you could have a walk where you didn't have to put stuff in your arms? So that's what I mean by movement ecology. I, I feel like such a jerk right now. Like I can't <laughs> look at you guys right now. Oh, but that's, that's okay. That's Sorry. that's really the point that I'm approaching it at this time. So let me. So let's just make something light for a second. Let's take a break. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and interject here because this was this was a load of heavy, right? We're talking cultural, we're talking about cultural normacies, like things that are normal to our culture, meaning everyone who's listening and me and Danny, we're all in this together. This is kind of a, a way of behaving that was bequeathed to us a little bit, and it's a complicated issue. So in the book, I'm kind of I'm breaking down things into more into more steps and I'm kind of laying it out here right now. That's complicated. We're talking about transitioning, right? We're talking about we're used to doing things in a particular way and we don't realize that there's other ways to do them because maybe we don't know anyone who does them in a different way. So everything that I write, books, blogs, podcasts, any things on social media, they're really geared to address one tiny aspect of what is culturally normal behavior and to help you change it up a little bit. And I'm usually posting something that I myself have identified and tried. And so as for as heavy as all of this is seeming, there are pretty simple steps Uh that you can start taking that will reduce the weight or the magnitude of it. We talked about this last time, Danny, right, where it just felt almost impossible. Like, oh, my gosh, there's so, so much immobility in my life that I'm realizing now that it almost feels paralyzing. So I want it to feel the opposite. It can feel like there are no solutions. Like it's just it's too, too big. To insurmountable, but I think you are a solution person. That's totally one of your one of your sticks. Totally. So. so it's heavy, but that does not imply that these issues are unsolvable. Although it does Im- imply the amount of movement that is possible that we haven't been doing, and you can start taking tiny steps immediately. This goes back to like you said a long time ago: the boat leaves like every day. And I was like, the boat leaves 10,000 times a day. So there's lots of opportunities here 
as you will see, especially the more that you read, you'll be like, oh, but I, I can actually start moving way more than I did before by only addressing small amounts of it. All right. So let's hop back in. So this book of essays that are already almost all previously written. So this book, so the oh, two you? books, so I've canceled two things on Danny, just so you know, I was like, I can't do that today. I've got all these deadlines. One of it was rewriting the first foot book. It was just going to be easy. I was just going to put a new cover on it. And it turned out like I rewrote almost like every other word. So that's good news. And that's in the can. And then the other one was organizing essays because I have been writing about ecology for a long time. I just haven't called it that. Right. Well, now that makes sense. And now, now it makes sense. You're kind of so. going like, okay, mm-hmm. if you're not walking, like, where, where right. minimal sho- like, where do shoes come from? You know, yeah. like, where is this pla- Where is it all coming from? So, it's a book of essays, kind of walking us through movement science and and the nature of movement. I know walking. walking. So the pun. Can I tell you about the pun that you made? Oh, winging it. Yes. One of the ways that I think is easy to grasp movement ecology. It's not all about a free ride. It's also about, let's go back to the fun part, the biomechanics part. How does movement ecology affect the biomechanics part? If you were to say like, here's how a bird flies, right? So let's look at a goose. (laughs) Because we're close to Canada. How many Canadians are in the audience right now? Yes, we have a lot of Canadians. So we're going to go with their national bird. Is that your national bird? Oh my God. I thought it was a loon or something. Canadian goose. Canada is their bird nation. That's not Canada's national. That's their bird nation. Okay, that's clear. She gets her information about Yellowstone from a kid's book, so let's just go forth with this. I'm not an actual biologist or ecologist. I'm just pulling for an example. Goose. But I have read, I do read. This this type of article right here. So this would be something that I'd be interested in. So let's talk about a goose. If you're gonna if you're going to assess the biomechanics, so there are bio, plenty of biomechanics journals about animal movement. We just don't put humans in those journals. They have their own separate journal. It's called Movement. So you're looking at how a goose flies, and they'll say like, oh, like it, it's beating its wings like this. It can articulate its wings like this to to fly. You're like you're trying to figure out how it flies, and then you write up here's how it flies. But you're really only talking about a small phase of how it flies because it's going to fly differently as it takes off and it's going to fly differently as it lands. And you're really figuring out how it flies in a certain set of conditions. So then you get, say you consider that whole thing, takeoff and landing, and here's how the hinges work and here's the force that they have to absorb when they land and et cetera. Mm -hmm. From that, someone publishes natural movement for a Canadian goose. And then you're a goose and you're like, awesome, I'm going to (laughs) train for how to fly and you start doing all the exercises and the things like, okay, there's a, there's a point at which my legs come up fast for the takeoff. Am I winging? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So you're like, you're, you're like trying to master all the components and then do your life like that. But an movement ecology would say, well, here, here's some one thing we realize is geese really don't ever fly by themselves. So how that goose flies is not, how it actually flies with other birds and it almost always wow. flies with other birds. That the reason it's flying with other birds is to be able to work less. That the front bird is working harder and the back bird 
is working less and, and it's able to adjust how it flies based on what the front bird is doing. And that juveniles never take that front role, but they're in the back so that they can always be training slowly until they get bigger and stronger and that they're constantly shifting who's going fast. Who, they're all going the same rate. Who's working harder for that rate and who gets to coast? And so that is wow. just as much of how a bird flies, but that's left off of the biomechanics, right? Like, well, that's not the biomechanics sure. of it. But it's like, well, of course it is. If you're talking about force production, force production over time, distribution, because, you know, in Move Your DNA, what I'm saying is all that's important. It's not only squats. It's not only that you get 30 squats done in a day. It's that they're distributed appropriately, that they they take on multiple formations. And sometimes you have something in your arms that you're barefoot. Like all these other components matter and that we've just reduced it. There's no need to reduce it any longer. We like we live in the age of information. I just don't think that everything has to be put into five simple steps to No. You know, like it just there's no reason why we can't talk for those people who are interested in learning about it, we don't want to mistake what's been kind of like packaged easily for a fitness magazine to stand in for how it actually works when you're considering it more deeply. Okay. So winging. That's why I thought that's that was where funny. It came from. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> It is funny. Okay, I, I have a couple questions, but can we see if anybody else has any right now? Uh, if you want to, sure. Does anybody in the room have any questions about this? Wow. So you just, it's like all digested. And, yes. No, so, so if we're talking back to the ecological uh, aspect of looking at over here, we kind of rely on over there in the world, but let's make it happen in our own community to kind of bring this, uh, like the geese group, right? Or like, like a mother that's having to work less. Is that where we're kind of trying to go? Uh, try to develop communities? So you're asking, like, bring everything in that we need closer to home so we don't have to rely on this faraway production of people giving us our... Is that what you're asking? It's like we, we're in a culture where we're very individual and we're very self-orientated you know, and dispatched and only if you go to the market might you meet people or only if you create, you know, so how can we, or am I making myself, you know, where would you like to bring that developing? Well, it okay. seems like that'd be, I mean, that's, that would be part of it, right? It's, I'm, what I'm understanding is just bring it bring everything in closer so we're not just working in an individual thing. Like she's talking about, you're not supposed to be carrying your baby all the time because you're supposed to have the community. And I mean, I think it's more, I think it's more like, I think one, we kind of time this to go along with earth day, right? Yes. So this is going to come out kind of around earth day when sustainability, consuming less, less fossil fuels is which, which is like most people would say that they agree with all of those things. Right. It's just as long as it's not at the expense of what I want to do, like the things that I need to do. Sometimes, sometimes that's also, as I pointed out in the Instagram post, it's the things that you're subconsciously doing that you don't realize. Like I don't, I think that if someone went and bought fair trade organic tea, that they would feel very good about buying that decision. They wouldn't see the driving to the store 
right. and the tea bag as less movement because they've always had it. We've always had it. They weren't there when China was trying to figure out how to get tea into London and figuring out that like no one's going to do this amount of work. So if we put it into a bag so that no one has to mash and dump it, like it, it, they're trying to make it simplified so that people could enjoy the benefit without doing the work for it. They were just reducing the amount of movement, but someone did that equal amount of movement in putting it in the bag for them. And then there was the trash that came with putting it in a wrapper and then wrapping that box in plastic and then driving it to the store. So the movement ends up being the, the cost, the expenditure ends up being greater. All you're doing is saving the person who bought it, the movement. Like the movement is not spared from the planet. The movement is spared to the end user. And there are people who have the luxury of being the end user more so than other right. people. And we've kind of separated that, even though we're doing natural yeah. movement, we've really separated what it means for everything else around us. Well, and so the solution though is like, for me, like if you're listening to this, I, I, re- I truly believe that, you know, they say like pull your own weight, mm-hmm. like literally pulling your own weight more often is a first step to a healthier planet. It's like the most supportive thing perhaps that you can do for the ecosystem and human rights. Okay. That was a good pun. Right. That's just you working yourself. Like that's not, it's not even going in as far as deep as like making sure you have the community, like just move more yourself. And then the next step is, you know, as you move more and others move more then you will move together because so many of these things that we're trying to do really require multiple people. So once you start doing it, you'll be like, I need someone else Mm -hmm. with me. And then you start asking or, you meet up from there. Okay. So like, give me an example of, let's just go further into that, of how I can think like a movement ecologist. What's, what's an example or what can I use? You don't think, think like of... a movement ecologist. You could just start being a mover. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like it's okay. not really a call for mo- more movement ecologists. But wouldn't like... it be better to have an understanding? I mean, oh, oh, sure. 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 Like if I'm going to, okay. So I, can you use a tea bag as an example? Mm-hmm. How could I improve on that? How could you improve on that? Um, what would require more movement and less garbage? Well, I guess I could grow a tea plant. You could, I could you dry could my own tea. tea. You could buy loose tea. Oh, and a little tea strainer. Okay, that's pretty simple. The next thing is, you know, you could grow your own tea. You know, eventually it becomes more and more challenging right. to be able to do that. Maybe you decide that you don't actually require tea from another country. That it's actually not a need as much as it is a want. Okay. So like it's, it's that kind of step. So it, I feel like I don't want to shatter lives or whatever <laughs> by saying these types of things, but we have many, many things that are not in fact human needs that are just wants and preferences and pleasures that is for someone else a need that they do it. You know, okay, so here's another one. Like, so I don't buy brand new cell phones. I will not buy a brand new cell phone because it's full of a particular mineral that comes from a particular place that has civil wars essentially funded by the, by the countries that house the companies that profit from them. So getting a new cell phone just because it's time for a free upgrade, Mm -hmm. it's like, but, but this, these, and so they're called conflict minerals and you can look it up and every, you know, I feel like every phone company now, because the UN has to disclose 
where their minerals are coming from. So I just won't do it because I know that there's people that, that, that there are certain militants in particular areas that when they are there to protect that country's stake, it's like a, it's a commodity that sure. only they have that they're going to make money. The militants are there just raping all the women that are there. And then, then therefore those women are ostracized and have to leave their home because they got raped. And I mean, now, so the, the next step for me would be, do I need a cell phone? Right. And it's not a cell, it's a, you know, or can I, it's like I bought, like that was, that was where I can, everyone can go where they can go. It's going to be a huge, long transition. Awareness, I think is the first step. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think it's, so it's just, it's just that food, obviously growing a little bit of food. Right. We don't have to think like a movement ecologist, but it'd be good to think about movement like an ecologist. See the difference? It's like, how could, you know, just picking more things apart because maybe... I do need a cell phone for my business. Yeah, I mean, sure, there's justifications for all sorts of things. Or what about trading movement? Like maybe you can't, maybe I grow tea, right? And I spend my time growing tea. And so you're going to take my kids out for, I mean, you know, trading. Stuff that we put on the community podcast before, right? Trading that kind of movement. I think that developing a community is very much in line with becoming more ecological in general. Like that's a way of sharing the work. But, you know, one one post was really just like this paying attention to when something is convenient and then thinking about how is it convenient and what was the cost elsewhere for that convenience? Mm -hmm. You know, like the wood in my house, like heat, like getting staying inside all day is made possible by fossil fuel or a tree that's been cut down. You know what I mean? Okay, I'm I'm thinking now, like, let's go back to whole body barefoot and let's talk about transitioning because a lot of people listening to this might think, oh, man, you know, and, and not want to, <laughs> not want to, like, not maybe. not listening anymore. Yeah, well, I know, that's, I was going to say, not, they don't want to listen anymore. And let's talk about, la, 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 yeah, la. I, I, I think, can we talk about. This is why I lost simpler, my mind, just in case anyone. Simpler, <laughs> simpler transitions, or not simpler, more digestible. I mean, everybody wants to start small, right? And nobody's going to go right from high heeled shoes just to Vibrams. So car. walk instead of drive okay, your car. Yeah, more of those. Those are good. Don't buy a brand new car. Buy a used car. Buy used clothes. Don't buy as many clothes. Mm, carry your baby instead of buy a stroller. Well, don't buy anything new. Like we didn't like we didn't have any plastic anything, and I was like, oh, we. I mean, I didn't only do it for an MR arm experience. I was like, this is a huge hunk of plastic coming from where, just so it's easier for me to go to the zoo. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's just it's a it's a very large humanistic picture. Right, so I am going to interject here. So don't buy anything new. Don't buy plastic. Okay, the reason I'm saying it this way is because there appears to be a lot of confusion. Like, how can I possibly use less plastic, you know? So, of course, a solution is don't buy plastic. You know, is that a feasible solution? That's something, that's something separate. So then we start to look at things like, well, why do you need things like a stroller or other items that are plastic. And then you're starting to go back and you're working back. It's like, well, it's because I don't, maybe I don't have the arm strength. 
to hold a child. It's like, okay, so now we're starting to see a relationship between our personal physical strength to, you know, to execute basic biological things and our dependency on external devices. And so that's that's really my point for bringing it up. I don't have a problem with people, as I've said before, if you have a stroller or whatnot. But if someone's going to ask a question like, how can I use less plastic? Then an answer is don't don't buy the plastic thing. You know that you you do have the parts to hold your baby in your arms. But then we can go like back to the movement ecology, which is this is more in the book. It's like, well, what about if I've got twins or I already have a bunch of kids and I'm the only one at home watching them? Okay, well, now we have now we understand again where the dependency on the device comes from. Why are we why is there one person for multiple children? Where's the community? What's what's happened to our natural structures? And I'm not even talking about the natural within your own body structure, but what's happened to the way we structure our our societies and our communities that that an orthotic like a stroller is required. So as I'm, you know, as we're listening to this, it's easy for me to toss these off of my head because I know that I don't have any judgment about them, but they're examples to help highlight, to help people think like, why do we need these technologies? Why didn't we need them before? Why do we need them now? And so that's why this is in here. Well said. Yeah. So, and what others, like, what are things, what what could you do right now? Yeah, that's. I mean, walking more, like walking more, what does walking more mean? So many things, but essentially it means that you are, you are generating your own, your own movement, you know, you're fueling your movement. So sometimes if your movement is only for movement's sake, it's like putting gas in your car just to accomplish driving it. You didn't get anything else done. Like it's not a very stack your life or permaculture type approach if that big post-workout meal you had was simply for to fuel your workout. As opposed to walking to the post office, As walking to the to grocery like store. Right. With, with yeah. the movement walking time. to like get something about your done. Movement as a commodity. Food as a commodity. Mm-hmm. Every, like, it's just, I think it's just about seeing things for the amount. If you just thought about movement, if you could see everything in terms of the movement that it cost somebody or some component of the planet, I think, I think that people would, they wouldn't be motivated to move more instead of big old, like, what <laughs> is this? Uh, that's an aw shucks oh, arm. She just said like, big old like, shucks. Yeah, it's, it's really like, oh, I really see how this is necessary, not just for my physical structure, but for this larger system that you're a part of. Like, you know, they'll, they'll say your body, you know, it's a holistic approach of, you know, your whole, your body is a whole thing. It's like, yeah. And you're in my body together and our family and this community and the state and the, all the human, like it's all just, you can just take how you think about the body as being separate pieces, kind of a separatist approach. And then there's a lot of people in the movement community who are like, well, it turns out, you know, you're not like, all of your parts are not only moving to move you, they're being moved by that movement and that every movement is really a whole body movement. You move your arm, but it's pulling on everything. Everything you do with your body is pulling on every other person and living thing on this planet. Okay. So in that same way, what is that called? Tensegrity? Like take tensegrity and and put it in a bubble around the earth. 
Okay, I'm going to interject in here for the final time. And there's nothing worse than reading a transcript or listening to yourself ramble <laughs> when when you're see, like when you're seeing that a lot of the things that you're saying aren't actually complete thoughts, which is why I love writing so much better than speaking about things that I've written about. It's a lot easier for me to to edit and clarify. This is what movement ecology is, what I was just rambling on. It's this idea that your bicep isn't only pulling on your arm. Your bicep is pulling on the world. What you're choosing to do with it or not doing it is displacing everything else. And that this idea that everything's connected, seeming so radical when we're talking about within our own structure, it's everything in the universe. It's it's all connected. And the sooner I think we can embrace that idea, the faster we will be able to transition to people who move for a living. Final answer. Okay. Let's take a movement break. How about you do the movement break? Okay, I'm going to do the movement break today because I'm feeling pretty smart. And... (laughs) How about stand up or stop or stretch if you're walking? And I want you to stop and look around at maybe the room that you're in or the gear that you're wearing, whether it's your backpack or whatever, and just assess and find one thing that maybe you could change about that situation. Like if it's something in your house that you don't need to buy anymore, that you could buy used, that you could do yourself. Like maybe you don't need the plastic electric coffee grinder. Maybe you can get one of those really cool burr ones, you know, something like that. So just find one thing about the situation that's around you right now that you could change. And that, my friends, is your movement break. And it's super helpful. It's super helpful. It's like super helpful. Like use your eyes, move your eyes. Like don't turn your head, actually. Just look around with your eyeballs. Uh, The car clicker, right? The car clicker was one that's like, you don't have, you don't have to use the battery. Like even if you have it, you don't have to keep using it. You can, you can rotate that's right. a good movement. Another movement break. Rotate your lower right. arm. Practice locking and or, locking. Or I got a car heart. that has a backup camera. They make it so you don't even have to turn, but I never use that because I don't want to lose the ability to turn and rotate to mm-hmm. see where I'm going. So I never use it. But you know, it's 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 all me it all means well. All those things mean well to make our life easier, but it's not I just don't I don't think that it is about like it's not about good or bad right. or being it, it's it's simply we have found, I mean, there's a strength certainly in, in creation and technology and building and thinking of like clever ways of making things more convenient. But I think convenience for a long time has been framed as like, you'll just have more time. Right. But I think you could equally, if not more often, could, uh, frame it as less movement, which some people will be stoked on. So you're, if, if I got it right, you're saying more movement is a solution to more than just the state of our body. Yeah, and not just more movement, but really replacing, like doing things, putting movement back into and stop outsourcing it. Yeah. Right? So it's not to continue to outsource it and then just fit more movement for movement's sake into your day, but specifically more movement to accomplish the tasks of living. If getting your tea was a task of living, you didn't have to do very much to get it. So identify what those things are and then just be more a part of it. You know, if it's an, if it's an essential, then, then I think you'd be fine mm-hmm. doing whatever it takes to get it if okay. it's truly an essential. 
It's like dessert. Like, I used to think that dessert was an essential thing. <laughs> Until I stopped having it in my house. And then I had this rule. It's like, well, if I am willing to get in the car and drive for it, I really want it. But most of the time I was like, eh. So it wasn't, it wasn't worth my work to go right. do it. So it's like, it's just one of those things. Like, start identifying what are the true needs. Yeah, what and you then, can And then you'll out. move for it. What would you move for? I would not actually. I'm so lazy. I would not move for dessert. Wow, I don't know. Is that lazy or you're just, the dessert just wasn't that much of but a thing for you? The thing, it just wasn't. Right. Yeah, it just wasn't. So there's lots of, there's, yeah, there's lots of ways to weed it out. You that's will move cool. for something that you really need. And then you probably will have more time. I mean, it's it really, because those, some of those things that you don't need. Yeah, well, how much of your life, like if someone else is busy moving for all those things, it's kind of like, you would, like someone who has like a butler. It's like, would you sit around all day and your butler and your maid did it? Like, like, aren't they just bored not doing anything? Uh, so then you start yeah. to fill it yeah. with the drama? I, at, note, to, <laughs> note, note to self, fire butler when I get home. Okay, okay so does anybody have any questions? All right, now I'm going to break in. We did have a lot of questions during this recording session. Most of those were answered in Movement Matters. We're going to skip those because it was kind of hard to hear in the space that we were recording in. Know that we are going to develop a book group, sort of, so that we can all discuss this book because it's big work. And we will possibly bring those questions out at a later time. They were good, but like I said, most of them were answered. Well, good? I'm good. Okay. Yeah. I feel like I've said enough, Danny. You did. <laughs> you feel like we'll never time. actually release this podcast. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that later. All right. <laughs> It'll be a special edition. We'll do it April Fool's and then we'll be like, just kidding. <laughs> We're just kidding. Here's a car clicker for everybody. Okay. <laughs> You get a car clicker, and you get a car clicker. Okay. <laughs> thanks for listening, and thanks for being here, live yes. audience. Thank you. For information, books, online classes, etc., you can find Katie Bowman at nutritiousmovement.com. Or in hiding. Hiding <laughs> 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 a tree. Uh, you can learn more about me, Danny Hammett, <laughs> movement warrior, and, I guess, former podcast Target. producer. <laughs> At moveyourbodybetter.com. Oh, God. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, thanks for letting us do our podcast in this way, holding on to something, letting it something out of the vault. If you are like, okay, I'm ready, movement matters, you can find it on Amazon.com. You can pre-order it. Off of there, you can also pre-order from the publisher. Like I said, you'll get it sooner, and you also get a plantable bookmark, which will make more sense after you read the book at propriometricspress.com. That can be in the show notes. If you are read, if you're listening to this after the fact, you can go get the book at your bookstore, local bookstore, hopefully, if not online retailers, and for all other stuff. Yeah. 
Oh, for all their stuff. <laughs> See, I'm just floored by the thing again. For more information, books, and online exercise classes, you can find Katie Bowman at nutritiousmovement.com. And you can learn more about me, Danny Hammett, at moveyourbodybetter.com. Goodbye. Bye. find the general information in this podcast informative and helpful, but it is not intended to replace medical advice and should not be used as such. 